Hello, Sex Appeal listeners. This is Kit Elliott, one of your hosts for this show. After an extended hiatus, Katie and I have reassessed our stance on the true crime genre as entertainment and the way it affects the real-world victims involved in these cases. While this show has always striven to highlight injustices and prejudice in our society and legal system over anything else, we still want to make some changes to assure absolutely no harm comes from the stories we tell here. So, now, Sex Appeal Women on Trial will focus solely on historic true crime cases. That is, trials that took place a minimum of 150 years ago. All of our episodes already posted over the years that discuss cases that do not meet this new criteria have been removed, which is the main reason for this announcement. Because several episodes were deleted in their entirety, some remaining episodes may contain references to something said in one of them. We apologize for any confusion or continuity problems this creates. We hope you can understand the reasoning behind this decision. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Please be advised that this episode contains details and discussion of violence. Listener discretion is advised. having a big sad recently due to school and i (laughs) like how it's start with something nice all right i'm sad i've been going back to watching star kid if you don't know what star kid is you're disowned you're disowned you're not a real theater kid i'm not theater (laughs) kid but um it's the people who created a very potter musical with jaron chris our lord and savior they have a lot of really good musicals, too. I was like, you know what? I haven't watched them in a while. Let's just watch the most recent one, which was The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. And OMG, if you are a musical fan and Invasion of the Body Snatchers fan, which is great, <laughs> then you would love it. I had Poison Cup of Coffee stuck in my head all day, but, like, not the entire song, just, like, but, like, just the, hey, Mr. Business, how do you, how do you, how do you do? Like, that part. On repeat. <laughs> like a broken record like a in your head. record for an entire hour. <laughs> that mean that's like psychic reading my mind. How do you, how do you, psychic, what the hell? But yeah, I, I love it. I highly recommend it. It's very college humor. There's a lot of swears. We don't swear on this podcast. We don't swear. We don't swear. Well, we want to be, you know. <laughs> it's, not chi- it's not child friendly. Don't have your children listen to it. It's child friendly murder. <laughs> We don't swear, so it's child-friendly. That's the only requirement. Okay. My good thing is um something I literally just decided about an hour ago <laughs> is that me and one of my best friends might be um going to get tattoos this weekend, and they're going to be spoopy, and I'm real excited. Nice. Um, maybe I'll post on the Instagram, or maybe not. We'll see. I'll definitely post on my Instagram, so uh, go follow my Instagram, kits underscore days. Follow the podcast Instagram, too, yeah, if you guess haven't it, already. Yeah, that one, too. You're missing out on good content. <laughs> Decent content. <laughs> memes. Just memes. It's all good memes. Okay, so Katie? Yeah. Guess what we're talking about today? What are you talking about today? And Bonnie. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> That's right. Today, I'm going to be telling you about the fearsome pirate, Anne Bonny. 
There are other infamous female pirates, such as Ching Shi, who was portrayed as the pirate lord from Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, and Grace O'Malley, an Irish queen who became a pirate and went on to meet Queen Elizabeth I. And while I would love to spend today just talking about all three of them endlessly, she and O'Malley were never tried for their crimes. But that's okay, because I would never pass up the opportunity to talk about Anne Bonny. I'm just gonna be straight with you guys. We say we do not condone violence here on Sex Appeal, and we acknowledge that these women are murderers. But I'll probably be taking a pretty biased stance in this episode because I love everything about Bonnie. She was a pirate that did what she wanted in a profession dominated by men. We love a girl who breaks a glass ceiling. From the start, Anne Bonnie refused to follow social norms. She wanted to have a life of her own as a strong, independent woman. Girl was an icon. Okay, I'm on board. On, on board. But once again, we do not condone crime here on Sex Appeal. But gosh darn, don't we love a good story. Let's get started. A lot of what we know about Bonnie comes from a 1724 text titled A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates by Captain Charles Johnson. Anne Bonny is thought to have been born in County Cork, Ireland, around 1700. Her father, William Cormack, was a well-respected lawyer, and her mother Mary was his servant. No, not his wife. The well-respected lawyer had an affair which resulted in Anne being born. To avoid scandal, Cormack moved to London to get away from his wife's family and dressed his daughter as a boy, calling her Andy. He pretended that she was his nephew who was serving as his apprentice. I like how specific that is. Like, he could have easily just said, oh, this is my niece. But nope, he was like, this is definitely my nephew who is definitely a boy. There's a perfectly reasonable explanation on to why he's staying with me. Not just because I'm his uncle, who is my nephew. <laughs> he's uh, working under me because he loves to lawyer my nephew. Nothing suspicious. Like, weird flex dude, but okay. Go big or go home, am I right? <laughs> Speaking of going home, when Cormac's wife discovered that he had taken in his illegitimate daughter, she understandably divorced him. She then exposed his infidelity and that he'd made his daughter dress up as a boy, which ruined his reputation in London and Ireland. Good for her. Call him out. Cormac then moved to the New World, to the province of Carolina, taking along Mary and Anne. As a lawyer, Cormac was able to use his knowledge of law and buying and selling goods to make a decent amount of money. Growing up, it was recorded that Bonnie had bright red hair and was considered conventionally pretty, but she had a wicked temper. Good, we need more girls with bad tempers. When she was 13, her mother died, which only worsened Anne's temperament. Multiple sources stated that one day she stabbed a servant girl with a knife. I take that back. <laughs> Like, was there a reason to why she stabbed the servant? I I don't know. I could not find an answer. Valid? <laughs> I guess. There is also an account of her putting a young man in the hospital for several weeks after his failed attempt to sexually assault her. I take back my take back. Good for her. Good for her. Do you see why I am obsessed with this woman? When she was 16, her father wanted to arrange a marriage between Anne and some rich man and for her to start following other social norms that women of the time were supposed to abide by. 
You know, a good little wife and a mother of hundreds of children. Nasty. Hate that. Yeah, so did Anne. So instead, she married a poor sailor named James Bonney. Her father, obviously, didn't approve of James marrying his daughter and kicked Anne out of the house. Allegedly, Anne set fire to her father's plantation in retaliation, but there's no concrete evidence to prove that it's true. Even if it isn't true, but god, I wish it is true. It's kind of awesome that her reputation was that she was the kind of person who would just burn down her own father's place just to get back at him. I remember that when I was her age. Um, <laughs> oh no, 16-year-old stories. Well, like, my dad didn't let me go to a Panic at the Disco concert. Oh and no, your emo heart. My little emo heart couldn't take it, so I went to my room and cried, and then I cooked brownies and didn't let him eat any. Savage. <laughs> they were double chocolate chip brownies, and I do not regret it. Too far, Katie. Too far. Too far. So metal. Sometime between 1714 and 1718, Anne and James Bonney moved to Nassau in the Bahamas, which was a known sanctuary for English pirates. It was even named the Republic of Pirates because many of the residents received either a king's pardon or evaded the law in some other way. In 1718, Woods Rogers arrived to Nassau as a new governor. James Bonney became an informant for him, basically making him a pirate snitch. Freaking knock. Nark. Knock. You live in Massachusetts. It's knack. Nark. Knock. Anyways. He would report to Governor Rogers about any illegal pirates or pirates who were not granted sanctuary in the Caribbean area. Those pirates would then be arrested and hanged. Big surprise, Anne was not a fan of her husband's work. You see, while he was out snitching, she would hang out with the pirates in the local taverns, listening to stories of their adventures at sea. This is where she met the pirate captain John Calico Jack Rackham. He was known around the area to be one of the most dashing pirates of the day. Ooh. Yeah, well, he also wasn't a super successful one. But with his share of what he and his crew looted, he would buy himself lavish colored robes and accessories, thus earning the name Calico Jack. He'd really be flexing on all of us. <laughs> Rackham was smitten by Anne and became her lover. One day, he actually offered James Bonney money for him to divorce Anne, but James refused. Still, that's a power move. <laughs> Slides coins across the table. Divorce your wife. Slides them back. No. <laughs> but, I mean, you know Anne didn't just sit and let two men fight over her fate. She ditched her husband, left with Rackham, and became a member of his crew. Hey guys, do you have a game plan once you graduate? Are you planning on going to college or grad school? Do you want to get a job with benefits? Why not become a pirate? You may be asking yourself, why would I, or anyone, want to be a pirate? Well, back in the 1700s, pirates were actually better off than sailors on military or merchant vessels. A sailor on a merchant vessel worked long and hard for little pay, while their captain or superiors received more. Life was different for pirates. Pirates elected their own officers, and everyone had the right to vote. The captain was only in command during battle. Almost every pirate ship had their own set of guidelines that all pirates had to agree to. This included how the loot would be divided, who had what chores, and what was expected of everyone. They were not allowed to gamble or steal from each other. In fact, one of the most common rules was no fighting on board. If two pirates had a disagreement, they'd have to wait and fight on land. Also, they had an early bedtime. 
huh, I didn't expect them to be so civil. Like, I was expecting them to have more horrific rules or Mutiny. guidelines. You know. If a pirate broke one or more of these rules, they would be marooned on an island with no fresh water, food, animals, or shade from trees. They were only given a bottle of rum and a pistol. You had two choices. Slowly starve to death, or go out nice and quick with the pistol. Yep, there it is. <laughs> There's also a reason why pirates look the way they do. A pierced earlobe on a sailor meant that he had sailed around the world or had crossed the equator. Superstitious sailors also wore gold hoop earrings because they believed it brought good fortune. Some believed that the gold possessed magic healing powers or that it served as a protection that would prevent them from drowning. Tattoos were also seen as lucky. I would be so lucky. <laughs> sailors would usually tattoo the North Star on their bodies, which represented a signal that they were nearing home, or pigs on their feet to keep them from drowning and go to shore. Cutting one's hair, nails, or beard was seen as a big no-no and brought bad luck. You do you, man. So, with the pigs on their feet, does that mean that not only their feet would rise to the top, so, like, they're underwater still, but their feet are... They're just, like, walking upside down on the surface Opposite of the water. Opposite Jesus! <laughs> Opposite Jesus! Like you said, pirates and sailors were very superstitious. One of the superstitions was that women cannot be on board. Women were said to bring bad luck on board because they distracted the sailors from their sea duties. To me, this is the same energy as the rule that girls in school can't show shoulders or knees because it's distracting. Am I wrong? <laughs> no. <laughs> However, naked women on board were completely welcome because naked women calmed the sea. Wow, shocker. This is why ships typically have a figure of a topless woman perched on the bow of the ship. The second superstition I found was... Eggshells need to be broken. Can, can you guess why they need to be broken? Something to do with how sharp they were? I don't know, man. Eggshells had to be broken into tiny little pieces once an egg was cracked. It was believed that a witch would snatch up the eggshell, use it as a boat, and cast spells that would cause storms and sink the ships. As a witch, I can confirm this is what we do. <laughs> Number three, stirring tea with a knife or a fork would invite bad luck. That's it. No, <laughs> no explanation. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't do this. Why? We do not. But all the other dishes are dirty. No. <laughs> Clean them. And number four, redheads. Redheads were believed to bring bad luck to a ship. If a sailor met one before boarding, the only way to avoid bad luck was to speak to the redhead before they could speak to them. That's just so funny. <laughs> to me, like, if you're a redhead and you're having a bad day and you want someone to talk to, or, like, just to talk to you, why not just go to a pier? And then you just had to ruin someone's day, run up to a sailor. Hello, I'm talking to you before you can talk to me. Bye. <laughs> no, just, like, say, like, oh, I wonder if people will like my outfit. And then just walk there, like, good day, good day, good day. <laughs> Lovely day, madam. <laughs> I love that by these superstitions, Anne is a double threat because she is a lady and a redhead. It was said that one crew member objected to having Anne on board, but Anne proved her worth by stabbing the pirate where he stood and throwing his body in the sea. The crew was cool with having her on board after that. Prove your worth, Prove girl. Prove your worth! <laughs> Let them know. Despite the crew already knowing that Anne was a woman, she still decided to dress as a man while plundering. 
It's possible she just wanted to look more menacing slash masculine, or that she was trying to underline the fact that she was an equal member of the crew. Or, you know what, maybe it was because it was easier to plunder seasoned pants. Valid. Around 1720, Anne became pregnant. She gave birth in Cuba and left the baby there. To be fair, I wouldn't want to have a child with me if I was a criminal living at sea. Not exactly a child-friendly environment. Fair enough. On one of their encounters at sea, Anne somehow fooled the crew of a French merchant ship into surrendering their cargo with an ingenious hoax involving a dismembered mannequin and some red paint looking like blood. I don't know how or why it worked, but it worked. One day, Rackham's ship captured a vessel somewhere in the West Indies and took a young sailor named Mark as prisoner. Mark convinced Rackham to allow him to join his crew instead of killing him or marooning him on a desert island. Luckily for Mark, he was attractive enough to persuade Rackham into letting him stay and join the crew. Mood. <laughs> hmm. You're my enemy, but like, you fine. You can, I mean, you would make a great sailor. You can stay. Now, Anne had her eye on Mark as well. So that night, while dressed in female attire, she tried to seduce the new recruit. However, Mark confessed to Anne that they were actually a woman. To prove this, Mark exposed her chest to Anne. It turns out that Mark was a young woman named Mary Reed. It's time for Let's Learn Something New! In this week's episode, we will learn about the time Julius Caesar was kidnapped and briefly held captive by Sicilian pirates. Katie's gonna do the let's learn something new today because she really wants to talk about I'm this. I'm so excited. In 75 BCE, 25-year-old Julius Caesar was sailing the Aegean Sea when he was kidnapped by Sicilian pirates. When the pirates asked for a ransom of 20 pieces of silver, about 600,000 in today's money, he scoffed at them and demanded them to ask for 50 pieces of silver. <laughs> Prove your worth! Caesar sent some of his associates off to gather the silver, which took about 38 days. While incarcerated by pirates, he spent most of his time with them composing and reciting poetry and writing speeches. He would then recite the works to the pirates. Caesar also played games with the pirates and participate in their exercises, generally acting as if he wasn't a prisoner, but rather their crewmate. Despite this, he told them that when he was released, he would return, hunt them down, and crucify them. The pirates were like, LOL, okay fam, totes my goats. <laughs> oh, that's just Caesar being Caesar. He always oh, threatens Caesar. to hunt us. When he was finally released, Caesar made good on his promise, raised a private navy, and killed all the pirates who hadn't taken him seriously. Caesar also got his 50 pieces of silver back. This has been Let's Learn Something New, and now back to our regularly scheduled crime talk. Anne agreed to keep Mary's secret, and the two women soon became very close friends. We stand women supporting women. Mary had found her way to Rackham's ship after a lifetime of dressing up as a man, and worked as a sailor and a soldier. In fact, just like Anne, Mary's mother dressed her as a boy and occasionally rented her out as a servant to make ends meet. Nothing brings two people together like bonding over childhood experiences. Oh boy, your parents wish you were a boy too? Same! Mary kept her gender a secret from the crew and continued to live as a man. 
Now, I can't be sure if Mary identified as a man beyond it just being a disguise, but since historical papers identify Mary with she, her pronouns, that's how I'll refer to her for the rest of the episode, though we all know that historical documents love erasing trans people. I mean, who said that? Certainly not me. Both Anne and Mary continued to maintain their presented genders throughout their adventures when they were in public. Both women were well-trained in combat and took part in boarding unsuspecting ships and fighting against its defenders. Katie, you want to read the quote? According to the crew, both Anne and Mary were known for their violent tempers and ferocious fighting, and they shared a reputation as fierce hellcats. In times of action, no one else was as ruthless and bloodthirsty as these two women were. Not only that, they egged their crewmates on the greater acts of bloodshed and violence. Many historic recreations of them, such as paintings and statues, display the women with severe facial expressions in a fighting stance and at least one breast hanging out of their blouses. It's said that this is because Bonnie and Reed would expose their breasts before killing someone so they would know that they died at the hands of a woman. One victim of the pirate raids, Dorothy Thomas, left a description of Reed and Bonnie on trial. They, quote, wore men's jackets and long trousers, and handkerchiefs tied about their heads, and each of them had a machete and pistol in their hands, and they cursed and swore at the men to murder her, her being Dorothy Thomas. Thomas also recorded that she knew they were women, quote, from the largeness of their breasts. After some time, Rackham was starting to get jealous of Anne's close relationship with who he thought was Mark. He did not know the secret of Mary's true identity, and thought that Anne and Mark were having a secret love affair. One night, Rackham burst into Mary's cabin, intending to slit her throat. Mary then sat up and opened her blouse, showing that she had breasts. Rackham agreed to keep Mary's secret from the rest of the crew, and supposedly continued treating her as an equal. In October of 1720, Rackham's crew was drunk from celebrating that evening's success of capturing a Spanish commercial ship. Captain Barnett, an ex-pirate and now a commander for the British Navy, attacked Rackham's anchored ship during the celebration. With most of the crew still drunk or too afraid to fight, Anne and Mary fought fiercely and managed to hold off Barnett's troops for a short time. While the women fought, Rackham and the rest of the crew hid in the hold from Barnett's troops. Mary yelled to the men and said, quote, If there's a man among ye, you'll come up and fight like the man ye are to be. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> when the men would not come up and fight with them, she then angrily shot into the hold of men, killing one and wounding others. And I mean, like... To... From one bullet? <laughs> Is that a magic bullet? <laughs> to be fair, they were probably gonna die anyways. They might have had a chance if the most sober ones fought, but the chances of them getting away were slim, so like, maybe she gave them a merciful death. <laughs> Rationalization. Yeah. Barnett's crew eventually overcame the women, and Rackham's crew were taken to St. Iago de la Vega, Jamaica, to face trial. Once Anne and Mary's true sexes were discovered, they were tried separately at the request of the male crew members. In the men's trial, they were convicted of piracy and sentenced by Governor Laws to be hanged. Rackham was sentenced to hang on November 18th, and his final request was to say goodbye to Anne. It's said that the night before Rackham's hanging, Anne went to see him in his cell. Before she left, Anne's last words to her lover were, I'm sorry to see you here, but if you'd fought like a man, you need not have been hanged like a dog. 
I've said it before and I will say it again. Big Dickens energy. After his hanging, Rackham's corpse was gibbeted and placed near the entrance of Port Royal's harbor as a warning for any would-be pirates. Now, gibbeting is basically putting a body in a chain cage and hanging it so you can just um examine the beautiful dead body. Now, onto Anne's actual trial, which, I'll be honest, is almost as wild as her life leading up to it. On November 28th, 1720, Ten days after Rackham's hanging, Anne and Mary stood trial. According to the official account, Anne and Mary stood in front of the courtroom and pleaded not guilty to piracy. I mean, like, even though they were caught on a pirate ship, dressed as pirates, fighting as pirates. Excuse me, ma'am, you were on a pirate ship. Oh, dang, I thought it was the Disney Cruise Line. <laughs> I thought it was an extra. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean attraction. Oh, darn. <laughs> the court brought in several witnesses who corroborated the fact that they were both pirates. The first witnesses were two Frenchmen along with a French interpreter. They told the court that they were hunting wild hogs on the shore of Hispaniola when Rackham's crew kidnapped them. On the ship, they observed Anne and Mary's behavior. They were, quote, very active on board and willing to do anything. The persecution asked if they suspected the women were kidnapped as well, and the men stated that both, quote, did not seem to be kept or detained by force, but of their own free will and consent. A captain named Thomas Dillon was the next witness. He said his ship was anchored off the northern coast of Jamaica when a strange sloop sailed close and then fired. Dillon and his crew piled onto a small boat and tried to get away. Then, someone on Rackham's ship shouted that they were English pirates and that Dylan had nothing to fear. Dylan accepted the crew's invitation to join them. When he boarded, he saw Anne with a gun in her hand. Both women were, quote, very profligate, cursing and swearing much, and very ready and willing to do anything on board, Dylan told the court. Then the pirates stole a ship. Okay, but if they shot at you, like, no, wait, we're English or they like, supposed to be like, oh yeah, cool, same. Then they just hopped on. Right, they shot at you first. Yeah. <laughs> the last witness was Dorothy Thomas, whose description of Anne and Mary you heard earlier. The women were found guilty of piracies, felonies, and robberies committed by them on the high sea. After being found guilty and sentenced to hanging, both Anne and Mary dropped a bomb in front of the judge and witnesses. You see, Anne and Mary stated that they both, quote, pleaded their bellies, which meant they were pregnant. Listen, we've heard this before. I know, and we're going to hear more of it in the future with future episodes. But, unlike the other ones we've heard, they were actually pregnant. In accordance with the English common law, both women received temporary stay of execution until they gave birth. Back then, unborn children had rights that came before the sentencing of their mothers. I, like, am so curious as to, was, were these pregnancies planned to prolong their sentences before hanging? Yeah, but who was the baby daddy for Mary? Because no one besides Rat- <gasps> T. Kit. 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 They're both pregnant at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
And one man knew that they were both women. Well, they, they all knew that Anne was a woman, but they didn't know that Mary was a woman. They're, uh, do uh, you think... <laughs> Rackham. Oh, and I mean, like, Rackham and Anne were lovers. So, like, probably, but... Oh, gosh. But Anne and... Nope. Well, mm? Do you... Mm? <laughs> I'm not saying that Rackham cheated on Anne. I'm saying <laughs> Rackham cheated on Anne. <laughs> but there was suspicion that Anne and Mary were lovers too at some point. Like some sources believe that they were lovers. So what I'm saying, you pirates said bisexual rights. Yeah. Mary died in prison in 1721 from a fever before childbirth, and Anne stayed in prison until she gave birth to her child. According to historians, Anne Bonny's father managed to pay the ransom for his daughter and bring her back to Charlestown. She then wed a man named Joseph Burleigh, and they had eight children together. After an adventurous life, Bonny died sometime around the age of 84 in April 1782 in South Carolina. Now, Anne Bonny's name might be familiar to people who don't necessarily know her as a historical figure because she appears a lot in media. She's been in movies like Anne of the Indies, TV shows like Black Sails, and video games like Assassin's Creed. Alright, Katie. She was so iconic, my dude. Again, I know she was a pirate criminal, but she is also a symbol of resistance for women who escaped society's expectations of gender roles and lived their lives how they wanted. You're not wrong. <laughs> Listen, if I want to ex escape gender norms, I will be a pirate. I'm already a pirate. Surprise, I'm a pirate. Six out of sword. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> I can see you in a little rinky-dink boat with a little pirate flag. With yes. a little sword. Give me your money! <laughs> Give me all your tea! <laughs> your tea and your pie. Your tea or your life! <laughs> oh no, that is me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sex Appeal. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can always know when to come back for more cases of Women on Trial. Sex Appeal Women on Trial was brought to you by us, Kit Elliott and Katie Clark. Music is Dark Tranquility by Anno Domini Beats. Special thanks to Framingham State University's WDJM Radio. We would like to thank Melin Costello from MC Design Photography for creating our logo. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram under mcdesign underscore photography. Remember to leave a five-star rating and review us on iTunes. And follow us on Instagram at sexappealpodcast and Twitter at sexappealpod. You can also visit our website, sexappealpodcast.weebly.com, for additional content, including more details about our episodes, like written transcriptions and pictures. If you have any questions about our show or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at sexappealpod at gmail.com. Thank you.